The founding member of the Tricky Trio, Dominic Harris, has officially entered his name into the transfer portal after injuries and a lack of playing time limited him at Gonzaga. What does this mean for him and for the Zags next season? We'll discuss all right here. Locked on Zags podcast. Don't go away. You are locked on Zags, your daily podcast on the Gonzaga Bulldogs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, y'all? Welcome to the Locked On Zags podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host and longtime Gonzaga podcaster, Andy Patton, here to give you news and updates on all things Zag athletics. Well, folks, today's show was going to be the start of our season in review series discussing every player on Gonzaga's roster, going through their history, how they did last season, comparing that to their best and worst case scenarios from the preseason review series and then looking at their future in the program. That was the plan for today, but Dominic Harris has entered the transfer portal. So what we're going to do today instead is we're going to do our season in review episode with Dominic Harris. It's just going to be a little bit different because instead we're going to talk about his history, how we got to this point of him entering the transfer portal, what transpired to lead to this. That's the first segment. Then we're going to talk about what it means for Gonzaga, how many scholarships are open, what they're going to pursue in the transfer portal, what roles might look like next year. And then we're going to close out the show looking a little bit at what this might mean for Harris, where he could end up, all of that good stuff. Okay, so Dominic Harris, the founding member of the Tricky Trio, a player who had a profound impact on Gonzaga and their history and their trajectory without having really ever even stepped foot on the basketball court before he had even played. He had made an impact. He was a very, very good basketball player at Rancho Christian High School in Temecula. He committed to Gonzaga very early in his high school career. He committed in January of 2018 when he was a sophomore. He had had visits from Stanford and UCLA and a handful of other places. Georgetown, I know, reached out and, and made an offer to him after he had already verbally committed to Gonzaga. Ended up finishing as the 74th ranked player in the class of 2020. Uh, some outlets had him as close top 50, top 60 player in that class. Uh, 74, not bad uh, by any stretch of the imagination. I know there was some belief that he was probably better than that and maybe deserved a higher ranking. But regardless, what Dom was able to do was help convince Julian Strother, who at the time was at Liberty High School in Las Vegas, top 50-ish player in that class as well, convince Strother to join Gonzaga as well. And then the two of them helped convince Jalen Suggs, who was much higher. I think he was sixth in his recruiting class, convince Suggs to come to Gonzaga and create the famous Tricky Trio, a trio that we unfortunately never really got to see play a significant amount of time together. We knew that we probably wouldn't because Jalen Suggs was only going to be a one and done at Gonzaga, which was indeed the case. Dom and Julian did both play at times that year, but neither of them were significant contributors. Julian, of course, became a bigger contributor the following year and then had his breakout year here as a junior. And then for Dom, it just never really happened for him, unfortunately. We'll start with his freshman year there. He played 25 games as a freshman. He played about seven minutes per game. So he was kind of right on the cusp of being an actual rotation player for the Zags. He kind of just missed it. And part of that was because of Andrew Nempard. And I think this is an important context when looking at Dominic Harris and his playing time. A lot of factors kind of conspired against him, and it's not his fault. And it's really kind of unfortunate to look at the way that this shook out because I think he was in line for a legitimate role, even more so than the role he got as a freshman, except about four days, if I'm remembering correctly, less than a week before the season started, 
in that 2020-2021 season, the magical year where Gonzaga did not lose until the championship game, uh, Andrew Nemhard received word that he was eligible per the NCAA. And of course, Mark Few talked to the guards and kind of said, hey, look, this is the situation. This guy's going to be able to play for us right away. And everybody was excited about it. Of course, it made a huge difference for Gonzaga because about halfway through the year, they changed the starting lineup. They inter- inserted Nemhard into the starting lineup, went with that two-guard lineup of Suggs and Nemhard with Joel Iai also starting, really a three-guard lineup, and just wasted teams throughout the entire season. Uh, and that, again, Dom played seven minutes per game in 25 games, even after that happened, and it pushed... Uh, it, it pushed Nemhart into a, a, a obviously a significant role on the team. It pushed Aaron Cook, who had joined that team expecting to kind of be the third guard. He sort of became the de facto fourth guard, and it kind of pushed Dom into fifth guard territory. But because Gonzaga was playing so many three guard lineups, he still ended up getting playing time. Had this not happened, a a lot of things would be different. I don't know how well Gonzaga would have done, et cetera, et cetera. But I think it's clear that Dom would have played more. And so this was something that that impacted his playing time right away for Gonzaga. He didn't play poorly in those seven minutes per game that he got. He averaged three points a game. He shot 39% from three, small sample size there, but obviously showing that kind of tantalizing skill that we'd seen uh, about him kind of coming into the season as a, as a dominant off-ball player, as a dominant outside shooter. Uh, but again, the playing time never really materialized. And so then the, the expectation was, okay, well, after this year, you know, we'll get some guys out of here. Suggs is going to be gone. Joel Eyei is going to leave and we'll get to see more of Dom. And then Aaron Cook entered the transfer portal somewhat surprisingly. Uh, and he went to Georgia for that year. So no Cook, no Eyei, no Suggs. It looked like, boom, the heavens have opened for playing time for Dominic Harris entering his sophomore year. And unfortunately, an injury cost him the entire season. He hurt his foot. Uh, he, there was kind of rumblings that he might be able to come back towards the end of the year. I think in February or so, there was we, we were hearing that he's he's healthy, he's participating in scrimmages, all that stuff. And I wasn't surprised that Gonzaga never brought him back. It seemed like trying to bring a player and, and fit them back into the mix for playing time right at the end of the year, right before the NCAA tournament, just never really made sense to me. But of course, it was unfortunate for Dom that he was starting to get healthy and just kind of didn't, didn't quite get there in time. So we did not get to see him at all in that 21, 22 season, a season where we had Andrew Nembhard, Rasir Bolton, Nolan Hickman and Hunter Salas as the guard rotation. I think Salas, or excuse me, I think Harris would have, he would have climbed into that rotation. He would have played. I don't know how much, I don't know if it would have been much more than the 25 games, seven minutes that we saw from him as a freshman, but it would have been more than the zero that we got to see from him. Unfortunately, that injury, I think really, really derailed what, what could have been a, a much more promising career in Spokane. And, and then what happened after that, we get into his junior year, this 22, 23 season. Uh, and what really happened to me that I think deserves a little bit of attention is yes, Gonzaga brought in guards to play over him. And, and I know that that's frustrating and, and I, I'm sure it was frustrating for him. I'm sure it was frustrating for the family. I'm sure it was frustrating for people who wanted to see him play, but Gonzaga was in such a unique position. The transfer portal and the NBA draft declaration days really kind of hamstringed Gonzaga in a significant way last year when trying to recruit bigs out of the portal. They wanted to get bigs, but they weren't sure if Drew Timmy was going to come back, so they couldn't convince Jani Broom, who went to Auburn, or Dawes Amak, who went to Texas Tech, for example. They ended up getting Efton Reeve, which was a fantastic addition. I'm very excited about him and his future. But in the guard area, they kind of they were pursuing Malachi Smith because they thought one of Rasir Bolton or Julian Strother or perhaps both were going to leave and they needed more guards. What happened is Bolton committed to come to Gonzaga, or excuse me, Smith committed to come to Gonzaga. Bolton decided he was coming back. Strother decided he was coming back. And bam, within a week, all of a sudden the guard rotation was packed. 
that's just a really bummer timing. And it's one of those things that really isn't Dom's fault at all. And, and then we get into the situation, we get into the season and, you know, Nolan Hickman is, is given the keys to the kingdom as a starting point guard. I know some people were, were upset and thought that maybe uh, he should have been challenged a little bit more. And we saw him grow and develop significantly throughout the regular season. I have continued to champion that that happened. He had a very, very bad end of the season. There is no debating that. That is what happened. So did Rasir Bolton. It was very tough to see that. But once that kind of all came together and you had Nolan Hickman, you had Rasir Bolton coming back, you had Malachi Smith, who you knew was going to fill a big role, and you had Hunter Salas as this kind of defensive stopper, it kind of filled all of the roles and put Dom on the outs. And he was hurt before the season. I don't know how much of that was the lingering impact of that foot injury, but I remember we found out that he didn't get cleared to fully participate in practices until right after craziness in the kennel, which was only a few weeks before the regular season. So him ramping up maybe caused him to be out of the rotation to start the season. And Mark Few's pretty notorious for not changing his rotation all that much as we get into the season. And uh, Dom showed glimpses. He showed flashes. You know, again, he played 13 games this year, four and a half minutes, uh, one and a half points per game. It was almost all in garbage time. And I think when we do look at the nice performances that he had, it, that, that context you know, it, it does matter. He had five points and five assists in 14 minutes. That was against Eastern Oregon, a school in the NAIA. And, you know, Nolan Hickman received everybody else who played in that game had phenomenal lines because everybody at Gonzaga just dominated in that game. Dominic Harris had eight points on three or four shooting against Chicago State. Another really nice performance from him in a few minutes at the end of the game. In a, in a game that was decided long, long, long before that. So really not surprising to see Dom enter the portal. And I don't mean that in a negative way towards him at all. Uh, I wish him the absolute best wherever he ends up. I think that this was a decision that makes a lot of sense when looking at how playing time has has not really been there for him. Uh, looking towards the future, knowing that, yes, Rasir Bolton is probably gone, but you know, in theory, everybody else could come back. What does that mean for the guard rotation going forward? And that's what I want to talk about in the second segment here. And then we're going to close out the show talking a little bit more about what it means for Dom and where he might end up. But before we get to that, I want to tell you about today's sponsor, FanDuel. The NCAA tournament is almost over, so now is the perfect time to download FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook, because new customers get a no-sweat first bet up to $1,000. That is bonus bets back if your first bet doesn't win. Just download the FanDuel Sportsbook app. It is safe, secure, and super easy to use. Then you can bet on everything from the money line to point scores and threes drained. Maybe you like DeMontis Sabonis. Shout out the Sacramento Kings who clinched a playoff spot for the first time since 2006. Maybe you like him to keep putting up huge numbers. Maybe you like Zach Collins to continue to dominate in his new starting role with the San Antonio Spurs. Maybe you like Corey Kispert and you want to bet an exclusive bet on him hitting two three-pointers in the first three minutes of Washington's next game. Now you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same game parlay. So don't miss the chance to get your no sweat first bet up to $1,000 in bonus bets when you go to fanduel.com slash locked on. That is fanduel.com slash locked on to learn more. Make every moment more with FanDuel, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. All right, segment two, still any patents, still Locked On Zags. I want to thank all of you again for making Locked On Zags your first listen of the day. For your second listen today, check out the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Seven days a week, myself, co-host Isaac Shade, also host the Locked On Tar Heels Podcast. We are talking all things NCAA tournament, previewing each and every one of these matchups, previewing the teams, talking about the transfer portal, coaching carousel, all the stuff that is happening in college basketball. You can find it wherever you get podcasts. You can find it on YouTube as well. 
All right. So here on the second segment, I want to talk about what Dom leaving means for Gonzaga's roster. Obviously, the first point, it clears a scholarship and it clears a spot in Gonzaga's backcourt. Right now, the guaranteed spots and nothing is really guaranteed in college basketball these days because of the transfer portal, because of the ability for players to there to be more movement roster by roster. But the expectation is that these three guards will be back next season. That's Nolan Hickman, your starting point guard, Hunter Salas, who I expect to step into a starting role as a combo guard and Dusty Stromer joining the team as a new freshman out of Notre Dame high school in California. Those three guys are going to be back. Rasir Bolton, not going to be back. Dominic Harris, in theory, could come back. You are not you are not prevented from returning to your school when you enter the transfer portal. I don't think Dominic Harris is coming back. So Bolton, Harris, gone. Hickman, Salas, Stromer, back in the house. And then you have the two question marks. Julian Strother, who I do count as a guard, although he is kind of a, a forward 3-4 hybrid more than a guard. And then Malachi Smith. A lot of this hinges on what Malachi Smith is going to do. If Smith wants to return he probably gets a starting job next season. What that means for the Zags in terms of Hickman and Salas, does one of those guys go to the bench? Do they start all three of them? I think there's a very reasonable chance that they start all three of them, quite honestly. Uh, but that's kind of part of a different conversation that we get to a little bit later in the season. But what it means is that there are there is room for an addition, at least an addition in the backcourt. And I think we're going to see a transfer portal addition here. And, and I think... What we're likely going to see, assuming we don't see an additional transfer from any of Hickman or Salas or even Malachi Smith leaving, which I do think is possible, but no guarantee as of right now, I think we'll see the kind of addition that we've seen Gonzaga make quite a few times the last few years in that kind of savvy veteran backup point guard style, the Geno Crandall edition of sorts. Aaron Cook absolutely fell into this category. Those are the two kind of most likely examples of what I'm talking about here. You're not going out and getting a guard who you expect to enter the starting lineup and play 32 minutes per game. Gonzaga has gotten those guys in the past. You know, uh, Ryan Woolridge was that guy. Rasir Bolton was that guy. Malachi Smith didn't play quite that many minutes, but he wasn't brought in to be a, a pure backup point guard. He was brought in to play more of a role and I think could be a much bigger contributor to this team next year. But this Aaron Cook, Geno Crandall archetype makes sense as a player Gonzaga could pursue to join a backcourt alongside Hickman, Salas, Stromer. Now, there are also some big name guards available in the portal that Gonzaga could absolutely pursue. The plan for this show prior to that was we were going to start, we're going to start the player preview series and we're also going to start looking at transfer portal. That's what we're going to do on Friday. We're going to look at, assuming no more news breaks, we're going to look at two posts, two wings, two guards that the Zags could pursue in the portal. And from like the high-end guard perspective, I mean, there's huge names. Caleb Love from North Carolina is in the transfer portal. Is he a fit at Gonzaga? Not really. Uh, a guy who averaged 17 points per game last year, but shot under 30% from three, under 37% from the field. He's just a high inefficiency chucker. And while I think there are a lot of places that could use him and could probably get a lot out of him, I don't see Gonzaga being a fit there. Severe Wheeler from Kentucky, he's in the transfer portal. We'll talk more about him on Friday's episode. A very, very good defensive guard, which is definitely something Gonzaga could utilize, but some of the offensive inefficiencies could be a problem for Gonzaga as well. Kirk Creesa from Arizona, we're probably not going to entertain that too much. I think Creesa is likely going to go play for his former coach, Sean Miller at Xavier. Taron Armstrong from Cal Baptist, one of the best facilitators, best passers in the entire transfer portal. I think quite honestly, 
that he's going to go play for Tommy Lloyd at Arizona in that replacement for Kirk Risa, Posh Alexander at St. John's, another high-profile name. Again, there are plenty of big names. And for Gonzaga, you have to go check out the big names. If a, if a really high-profile player, a guy who would come in and immediately start over the guys who are there, if they're willing to come to Gonzaga, it's a cultural competition. Everybody, you got to compete. And I think for the Zags, like they have to be willing to make those moves. And, and I know that there's some kind of consternation about that a, a bit amongst the fan base. And I understand like, well, if we continue to bring players in who, who push these other guys to the bench and they never get to start, they're just going to transfer. And yeah, that might be the case. Like that's kind of what happened here with Dom. And again, I, I kind of mentioned in the last segment, I think it was, it was just an, an unfortunate amount of timing of we needed to get this commitment from Malachi Smith because we want to make sure we have some guards ready for next year. And then Smith commits right at the same time Bolton comes back and all of a sudden you have a log jam and, and it, and Dom was the person who, who was negatively impacted by that. And I just, that's, a, I get it. I, I get it. I a hundred percent do, but that's how this happens because the alternative is, well, we'll just wait and assume that all our players are going to be good enough or better than the players in the portal. And you can't always do that. You have to kind of, it's a tough decision and you have to try to balance it as best you can. And sometimes the way that you balance it frustrates somebody and they leave. Gonzaga has, has, has very rarely suffered from the transfer portal. You know, Dom is one of the few players I can remember in recent years transferring where the preference would have been for him to stay. Umar Bala was one. And again, it was understandable that he went to Arizona having been recruited by Tommy Lloyd and seeing the Zags get a commitment from Chet Holmgren. I get that for him. Going back beyond that, you know, we talked about it in a recent episode. Ryan Spangler went to Oklahoma. Grant Gibbs went to Creighton. That was over a decade ago. Outside of that, Gonzaga doesn't lose a lot of players via the transfer portal. So I think uh, that's a testament to how how good of a job they do at, at kind of finding guys who fit those roles. But Dom was a guy who, again, I don't blame him for this. I don't think he's making a bad decision. Uh, it's just it, it, the timing didn't ever really work out for him. A couple more names for the Zags to kind of look at on the transfer portal. If they're looking for that kind of backup point guard role that that Aaron Cook, Geno Crandall type player. These are just a few names I saw that kind of fit that archetype. There's going to be a lot more once we get some actual rumors about Gonzaga, who they're connected to. We'll kind of dig into some of these players a little bit more so. But Tiger Booker, incredible name. Uh, not the not the best Tiger point guard in college basketball. That, of course, belongs to UCLA's Tiger Campbell. But Tiger Booker at Tarleton State, uh, seven and a half points per game, decent outside shooter for him. Enoch Cheeks at Robert Morris put up much bigger numbers uh, in a smaller conference there, 14 and a half points per game. Noah Reynolds at Wyoming, another player who, who put up nice numbers. Uh, a bit more questionable on the three-point shooting there. So those kind of players, those kind of names, I think, are something to keep an eye on for the Zags of guys who maybe – could come in, play a backup role, play a valuable veteran role coming off the bench uh, for the Zags next year because they're they're short in the backcourt right now and they're going to need some help whether or not Malachi Smith does end up returning to school. Well, we talked about what Dominic Harris entering the portal means for the Zags, but I want to talk about what Dominic Harris entering the portal means for Dominic Harris and if it's a sign of more to come for Gonzaga, more on that coming up right after this. All right, segment three, still any patents, still locked on Zag, still talking Dominic Harris and his departure from Gonzaga, his decision to enter the transfer portal. And now I kind of want to focus on, on what it means for him. And honestly, it's hard to say because he has played so little in the last couple of years and because he missed an entire season with a foot injury, it's hard to imagine how other coaches, other departments, other programs are going to view him. It's hard to imagine that his four-star pedigree 
is going to matter all that much because it was a couple of years ago and because, you know, he didn't crack the rotation for the Zags this year. And I think that it's just, it's hard because you can't, you don't have a lot of tape to really kind of show evidence. You can show the tape against some of the games that you had this year. You can show some of the practice footage that you have access to, but I don't know how much teams are going to value that. And so it's kind of he's in an unfortunate situation where he didn't play very much. He had the injury issue. The team that's most familiar with how healthy he is is Gonzaga. The team that's familiar with like how close he was to cracking this rotation, how much he deserved playing time, how good he actually is. Gonzaga is the team most aware of all of that. These other teams are, are taking a gamble. And it'll be interesting to see, you know, how willing some of those teams are to to take a chance on a kid like Dom and and. Again, he's from Temecula. I think there's a chance he ends up going home. And I think there's a pretty obvious comp for Dominic Harris in terms of players who have transferred out of Gonzaga. And that comp is Brian Alberts. For those who remember, Brian Alberts was at Gonzaga for two seasons, I think from 2015 to 2017, I believe, is when Alberts was there. He was a high-level guard coming out of high school in California. He came to Gonzaga. He played two years in Spokane. He played in 57 games, and he averaged 2.3 points. Dom played in 38 games and averaged 2.5 points. Had Dom been healthier, his numbers probably would have been more similar to Albert's in the sense that he would have probably played closer to 60 games as opposed to the 40 games that he played or the 38 games that he played. And he probably would have still averaged around two and a half to three points per game. So that is the closest comp. What happened to Brian Alberts is that Alberts transferred to Long Beach State to go play for former Gonzaga coach Dan Monson in the 49ers. And he played 57 games, same number of games, incidentally, at Long Beach State over the next two seasons. And he played 29 minutes per game and he averaged 11 points per game. And he turned that into a professional career overseas. That feels very likely or like very possible, I should say, for Dom. I'm not going to sit here and predict where he's going to get a bunch of offers from and what schools he's going to be most interested in. It's impossible to know. We will eventually, uh, in the coming days, likely see lists of here are the schools that have reached out to Dominic Harris. And it's probably going to be a huge list, and there's going to be some big names on there. And it doesn't necessarily mean that he's going to go to a big name. It just means that those schools have reached out. It also doesn't mean that he's not going to go to a big name. I don't want to diminish that and say, oh, there's no chance he's going to go to a power five, power six program. He absolutely could. There could be programs out there that are willing to gamble on what he looked like as a high schooler, what he looked like at flashes of times during the season and just his overall pedigree. My guess is that he will end up at a mid-major conference or a mid-major program in California, and he will put up nice numbers there. That is my projection. Again, I'm basing it a lot on kind of some similarities between him and Brian Alberts. Um, I think the Big West makes a lot of sense for him. UC Irvine, UC Santa Barbara are programs that make sense. Cal Baptist, not in the Big West. They are in the whack, but Cal Baptist needs a point guard after losing Taron Armstrong. Armstrong, of course, enters the transfer portal, like I said, a potential fit at Arizona to replace Kirk Creesa. Could Cal Baptist turn to Dominic Harris and, and see if he wants to be the guy who potentially comes in and plays right away? Because my guess is Dom doesn't want to transfer somewhere and be a backup again, and I don't blame him. I don't blame him one iota. But I don't think that a, a power six program is going to give him a starting job or even commit to giving him like a high level reserve role. Maybe there are some out there that will, but I don't know if that's, I, I think it might make more sense for Dom to go down a level, to go to a mid-major program like Irvine or Santa Barbara or somewhere like that and start and play big minutes. And if he plays super well, A, you can get drafted out of those programs. There's proof that it happens. Uh, we're not in the, the dark ages where you have to be at one of these six schools in order to even get attention from NBA scouts. They'll pay attention to you wherever you are. So that's an option for him. He could also, of course, transfer again. 
transfer down to a big West school, go put up 14, 15 points per game. Uh, and then maybe, maybe you enter the portal again. I mean, that's, that's absolutely an option for him. Maybe he tries to stay in the WCC would see if Gonzaga would, would how willing they would be to let that happen. And they don't have a lot of authority over it. They can't stop it, but there tends to not be a lot of interconference transferring. Of course, Mike Meadows just transferred from the university of Portland to LMU. So it does happen. And it created an opening in the backcourt for the pilots. Could Dom go to UP, play for Port- play for Shantae Leggins, uh, get a get a, cons- a big role uh, for the pilots in the in the guard rotation? Totally. Would Pepperdine bring him in? They lost Mike Mitchell. He transferred to Minnesota. Uh, they still have Houston Millette. We're expecting Millette to be back. A Millette and Harris backcourt could be pretty fun. I'm sure Lorenzo, Lorenzo Romar would find a way to screw it up, as he often does as the head coach down there. But that would be a, a fun fit for him. And then, of course, there's Arizona. And I think we have to at least address Arizona as an option here for a couple of reasons. One, of course, there is a, there is a connection between Dominic Harris and Tommy Lloyd, the coach who helped recruit Dom to Spokane. There's also a connection between Dominic Harris and Umar Balo, who appear to be very close, who post a lot of pictures together on Instagram, who celebrate each other's accomplishments. And of course, Arizona lost a guard, Kirk Kreese, entering the transfer portal. I don't think that they would bring Dom in to start at point guard for them. That would be surprising to me, quite honestly. But could they bring him in as a backup? Could they bring him in as a guy to compete for minutes in a, in a guard rotation that wasn't very good last year? That struggled. Pella Larson had a bad season. Courtney Ramey wasn't as consistent as they were hoping for. Henderson didn't have a great year. Could, could Arizona look to Dom to be a guy who could potentially fill a role for him? Totally. My gut says no. I don't think that that's super likely to happen, but it would be silly to not pretend that it's a possibility considering the relationship that already exists there, considering how many players have gone to get, I mean, Matthew Lang was is a walk-on, of course. They've, they've hired Shemek Karnowski, Rambakamis, guys who, who were affiliated with Gonzaga in the past who are down there with Tommy. So, so for Dom, it would be some familiarity with a coach he knows, with a, a player, a teammate that he knows, uh, with a couple other guys that he knows kind of around the program. So it's something to, something to keep an eye on there. Georgetown was also involved in his recruitment as well, but they have an entirely new staff as Ed Cooley took the job from Providence over at Georgetown. So not sure that that connection really still exists necessarily, but you never know. It's something to keep an eye on for him as well. All right, that is going to do it for me today. Uh, we're going to have some very fun stuff coming away later this week. We're going to talk more transfer portal potential additions for Gonzaga on Friday. Next week, we're going to get into more of our actual player season in review episodes. This is the first one, knocking Dominic Harris off the list. But we'll talk more about the rest of the guys on the team, what their future looks like, uh, whether it's in the NBA, overseas, or of course, returning to Spokane. So all that coming your way next week. Don't forget to subscribe to the show uh, on YouTube if you haven't done so yet. Subscribe to Locked On College Basketball if you haven't done that. Either leave a review on iTunes, leave comments, follow me on Twitter, Andy Patton, CBB. Again, more fantastic content coming your way as we get out of March into April and officially the college basketball offseason. All right. Thank you all for listening and go Zags.